Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor. I would first like to take a pause and say first, just thank you to all uh, my guests from the past month. I would also like to say thank you to all the listeners, to all the followers um, who have shown a great amount of support uh, for this podcast, um, especially for these series of interviews for Black History Month. Um, They were all excellent, all uh, trailblazers in their own way, some from being pioneers in the field and others from just doing things that are very unusual, like going to med school and competing in the Olympics. So, you know, very happy to be able to share those stories with you. Now we turn our attention to March being Women History Month, and I have a very uh, unique story in Dr. Ronnie Shalev, who is an ER physician by training. However, early in her career, uh, decided that being an ER physician was not the lifestyle that she wanted to live. And she pivoted to become a real estate investor and through real estate investments have been able to claim the freedom that she wanted in her career and in her life. So her story will be very inspirational to many to be able to show uh, there's always a different way. Uh, if you're not satisfied with your current lifestyle or what it's providing for you, there's always a different way. Um, but you just have to be committed to your goals and show determination. So without further ado, I'd like to get into this episode uh, with Dr. Ronnie Shalev. All right. So tonight we have Dr. Ronnie Shalev uh, joining me on the podcast. Dr. Shalev is a board certified ER physician uh, turned syndicator. Now um, is over many different properties. So we're not going to steal her thunder as far as telling her own story, but very glad to have you on the show tonight. And really um, excited about sharing your story to empower other physicians and other entrepreneurs. So thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I love your show. Um, I think that your voice is so important and you're impacting so many people. So I appreciate you um, inviting me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining again. All right. So ER physician. So tell us about what sparked your uh, early interest in medicine and why did you go to medical school? You know, it's funny. Ever since I was a little girl, I knew that I was going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I It was just something that I, it was like innate. I knew it was going to happen. I didn't think that I could get into medical school for some reason. I had that limiting belief in my mind where I was thinking I'm not that smart. I won't be able to get in. So I basically piggybacked off of that and just like worked my butt off in high school, in college, and then I got it. I became, you know, got into medical school and, you know, I was like, okay, now I can really make a difference in the world, really help people. Um, I wanted a career that, number one, I had skills, so I would be taught how to do something, but also I could help um, and I could earn a living, especially as a woman. Um, So I thought, you know, being a physician would would be the answer to everything. All life's uh, problems, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah no, uh, when you get to medical school, they don't tell you you have to figure out what kind of physician you, you want to be. Mm-hmm. You're you're only fed a little information one step at a time, right? So yes, you just want focused on making it through medical school, and you know that there is a residency that exists, but you don't really know what that entails, and you know that hey, I, I'm taking out these student loans. And eventually one day I will pay them back, but you don't know what, how the interest is accruing. And then you finish and you don't know, okay, now I'm getting a paycheck. Am I supposed to buy a house? 
buy this fancy car, invest. <laughs> you know, you're taught a skill and that's how to take care of patients. And that's it. You're not even taught how to bill for patients. Which right. Is very sad. <laughs> you're, I mean, there's so much in medical school that you do not get taught. Mm. Um, and it's just, a, it's amazing. I've, I've figured, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book on like the hundred things that medical school did not teach me. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a challenge with all of those. And, um, I didn't know that I wanted to be an ER doctor. I was like, I, I'm not sure exactly what I want. And I rotated through all of the different specialties and didn't love one thing. I, I mostly had negative things about each one that I was like, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that. And, um, ultimately I chose emergency medicine because, of all of the, I just did a pros and cons list and, and chose it based on that. So what was um, it that drew you towards emergency medicine? Well, I loved procedures. Okay. Um, so I knew I wanted to do procedures. I liked the idea of um, being able to take care of the gamut of medical conditions and patients. So elderly, pediatric, trauma, um, medical, critical care, like, and so it was a, really a combination of all of that, that I really enjoyed. Um, and the lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that I wasn't going to have a pager, which is huge. Absolutely. No one was going to call me. If I was on, I was on. If I was off, I was off. Yeah. Um, what I didn't realize was that I was going to be working every single Christmas for 16 years and every you know, I only get like one or two weekends a month off. Um, and then you're flipping between days and nights and days and nights and you're constantly physically tired. So those are the things I didn't totally consider. Sure. So I've all, I consider myself to be allergic to the emergency room. Um, <laughs> so I learned as a consultant, when you walk through the ER, or when they see you in the ER, work always <laughs> appears, you know? So, oh, can you look at this, can you look at this? You know, oh, I was just about to call you. So I to avoid the ER like a plague. You okay. and every other consultant. Right. Right. Down there for greater than 30 minutes, I break out in hives and I have to you know, recuperate. So at what point was it in your career where you said, okay, this is not what I thought it was gonna be? I remember it very clearly. Um, I was a month into being an attending um, and I had two pediatric deaths in one shift. Um, and I was like, I, if this is what it's like, I don't know how I can take that. I don't know how I can survive it. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, I remember that day very, very clearly. Sure. So, you know, and let's talk about that for, because especially in an emergency room right now during this pandemic, a lot of people don't really realize, I guess, the mental trauma that physicians and frontline workers are going through treating patients that, you know, the first time you meet them, that, you know, your days are limited you know, and you go from one patient to the next patient and everybody's sick and people need ventilators and you're intubating and then you still have trauma cases coming in. You know, speak to that just for a little bit. I know that you were still practicing in the beginning of the pandemic, kind of your experience with that. 
Yeah, so I was practicing in um, uh, kind of an impoverished area in a community hospital um, with very limited resources, but there was a lot of very sick patients that came through. Um, and it was, I mean, routine, I would have two strokes come in at the same time, two heart attacks come in at the same time. Um, there was one day where I had three heart attacks and we called the cath lab and the cardiologist and it was like, well, who do you wanna go first? And I had to like, okay, take this one, then take this one and then take this one. You know, let's figure out like resources. Maybe we can call a different cardiologist in, um, call in the anesthesiologist, uh, but it's constantly juggling. Um, and with the pandemic, it got even worse um, because in addition to having a lot of patients with respiratory problems and on top of that, they all had the rest of the normal ER stuff, traumas and gunshots and sepsis and, and you know, everything. Um, I, we had to worry about our own safety. So we had, and we were in a time where we didn't know there was a lot of unknowns, you know, uh, you know, how, how can you uh, wear a respirator and be fine? You know, did you need a papper? Did you, you know, when is it that the doctors get infected? Um, there was no vaccine at that time. So, you know, there were some doctors that were renting homes and staying away from their families. Um, and, you know, that's not very sustainable. And I'm sure they're still not doing that. It's been almost three years now, like, you know, or two years, two years. It feels like three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're starting our third year. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning, like you mentioned, mask, the basics, there were no antibodies, there were no vaccines. It was just, you show up and you hope you have a clean mask and you hope you have a gown and you go to work and you treat people with this virus that you know very little about and you see people dying around you you know, the mental anguish and the mental stress. I'm, I don't consider myself a frontline worker as an orthopedic surgeon. I feel like I was around a lot of people and I was support staff for them, but being in the emergency room where literally almost everybody you meet, when you go to them, you have to have in the back of your mind, does this patient have COVID? And it's, could this patient potentially kill me or any day when I leave this hospital, I could potentially take it home and infect my family. So I just can't imagine the stress of being an ER physician during this, during this era. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's insane is that they, the hospital administration was hoarding the N95s and they would keep them under lock and key. So everybody would get one N95 per week and they had to keep it in a paper bag and reuse it. And each time there's like particles on it and you could be putting it on and taking it off and getting infected. Um, I was fortunate enough to have bought a P100, which is like a respirator on, on eBay before it all exploded. Um, and I just wore my own gear. Um, but literally if I was looking for gowns, they gave us trash bags. And they said, here, wear a trash bag. And I'm like, I don't think that this is, I mean, the, the, I, I had gloves that said not for medical use that they asked us to use. Um, and the hospital could definitely afford to buy 
medical supplies. They just decided that it was too expensive and they just, and that was one of the things that turned me off. Like they didn't care about their employees. They didn't care about the doctors. They didn't care about the safety. Um, and you know, it, it, it really was probably what pushed me over the edge to, to leave medicine because, you know, I wasn't valued, uh, as a human. So that was October of 2020, I believe you said. Yes. So let's go to October, 2020. You're thinking I'm about to leave medicine, my 16 year career, everything that I've built my life on has been through ER, being an ER physician. Did you already have, okay, I'm making enough to do this or I just got to do it? So my burnout started probably very, very early. And I knew that it wasn't sustainable um, in probably in 2014, okay. 20, 2013, 2014, I knew I needed to find alternatives. And during that time, I was looking at everything. I was like going to start a restaurant. I was going to buy a car wash. I was like, what am I going to do after I'm not an ER doctor? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I found real estate. And in 2015, I started investing in real estate um, as a passive investor in multiple syndications. And I really didn't think much of it because the wealth doesn't grow immediately. It's kind of a slow process. So while I was doing that, I was also investing in biotech and I was investing, you know, hoping to make it big in something that was pre-IPO, maybe, maybe it'll hit the, hit the jackpot. I'm still waiting for that to hit the jackpot, by the way. Um, but yeah, we explored a lot of different businesses that I could do that I could step away from, from being a physician. Um, so it was not a quick thing. I had, by the time I left, um, I had already set the foundation um, to be able to do multiple things that are outside of medicine. Okay. So real estate, you started, as you mentioned, what's that five years plus before mm -hmm. time to walk away from, from medicine and what were you investing in? So I did, um, syndications that were, I've done, I've done, um, retail centers. Mm -hmm. I've done assisted living. I've done, um, self-storage uh, shopping centers, standalone buildings, mobile home parks, RV parks, and apartments. So, so I really went, <laughs> I went across into all of the different classes, asset classes. Okay. And you were doing that actively or passively? Passively. All right. So meaning that you are not going site to site, you are investing money into these projects and then getting paid as a result. Right. So did you know the people personally that you were investing with or were you just joining syndicators? I did not know a lot of the people. Some of the deals I knew people personally and some of them I did through crowdfunding sites like CrowdStreet and um, uh, Fruit Street and Equity Multiple and things like that. Um, but, you know, I started seeing some physicians in the space and I said, if they can do it, maybe I can do this too. Um, and that's what kind of piqued my interest um, and kind of set me on the path to become an active investor. Okay. And what point did you transition to saying, hey, I'm going to invest in, instead of just investing in other people's deals, I'm going to find my own deals. That was in um, September of, 
August of 2019, I was like, you know what, we're going to buy some properties and let's take some classes and learn how to buy our own properties. I started with, with a small multifamily. So my husband and I bought three duplexes and we had read um, David Green's book that's called uh, long-term investing. Okay. Um, and we said, okay, let's, let's try it. Let's, let's get the loans. Let's they, I mean, the book walks you through it, not to mention I took a course um, called zero to freedom uh, by Kenji and Leite. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, yeah. that class. Yeah. So you're I took retired. their course. You retired MD. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Retired MD. Funny, I, I took their course to her on the podcast earlier today. Yeah. Um, so I took their course. I read that book and I was like, okay, I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put it into action and we were like, wow, this is amazing. How do we 10 X this? How, I mean, how do we really make a dent? Um, and that's when we were like, okay, the only way to really make a dent is to buy multi-million dollar properties, um, with, with multiple doors, hundred doors, 200 doors. And, and that was really how, um, we decided to, okay, well, let's take the next step and learn how to be, um, active partners and in, in real estate investors. All right. So what year are we in at this point? uh 2020 2020 so pandemic started honey i hate my job let's (laughs) let's intensify this search so for five years you kind of dibbled and dabbled 2020 you put your foot on the gas um and and in 2020 how many properties did you own when you said let's start to do our own deals uh that's a good one I think we were in maybe seven syndications okay. um, of the various asset classes. But you did not um, own the duplex at that time? Oh, wait. Yes. No, I did have those duplexes at the time. Okay. All right. So um, three duplexes, so six doors in 2020. Yes. All right. So tell us how you ramped up because I'm not going to ruin the surprise and say how many doors you are involved with now, but. <laughs> Give us uh, the story about how you go from six to where you are now. Um, So basically I was, you know, I'm used to learning and studying and being told how to do things. You know, when you're a physician, you're, you're taught, you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And I, I was looking for, like, I need someone to teach me how to do that. So I joined a paid mentorship program. Um, and I paid someone that's experienced and someone that is successful and someone that's done it and became a millionaire. And I was like, teach me step by step how to do it. Um, and let me learn from your experience. Um, and that's what I did. I joined um, the uh, Brad Sumrock's multifamily um, uh, apartment mastery program um, and joined their lots of uh, personal mentoring, became his personal mentoring student and joined, they have like a very intensive program and a curriculum, Um, lots of networking um, and got into our first deal in July of uh, 2021. Okay. And how long was this course that you took? Was it a learn and go and start to apply it? Yeah, it's a learn as you go, um, and they they basically 
like act as your mentor. So you can, you, you learn a curriculum and then they set you free and you go and you underwrite properties and you, you work with other team members and you partner with other teams and they help you. Like, how do you submit a letter of intent and how do you negotiate that contract? And what do you do when you're doing due diligence on a property? And how do you talk to a the bank and how do you sign those documents and they they walk you through all of those steps okay. um yeah and today we own as general partners um uh 1078 doors wow so 1078 doors that you are either a general partner on or own. yes okay gotcha yeah it's a general partner so i own that with my limited partners, my sponsorship team. So we, we own it together with all our teams and all our investors. Okay. And I mean, how big are these properties? Because from six to greater than a thousand, <laughs> that's a lot, right? So yeah. how many, how big were these multifamily properties that you were taking down? Yeah. So the first, my first deal was 200 units in Houston, Texas. Um, my yeah. second deal was two properties one of them was um 400 units and one of them was 288 units so that one jumped up to six that was together i got 688 right there um and that was in fort worth um and then we just closed in las vegas on a 184 unit deal um just a couple weeks ago wow and did you have the confidence to make these big purchases from the doing the training or was it still scary Oh my gosh, it was still scary. Uh, every part of it is scary, but it's like invigorating scary. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I just committed to sign on this loan for $30 million. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, oh my God, I just put down non-refundable money of, of you know, $200,000. Um, so it's pretty scary. Um, I just, you know, now I have to raise millions of dollars like oh my god i don't even i didn't i'd never done anything like that like how do you how do you do something like that sure. um but what i learned from anything and from years in the medical field is that i learn quick mm -hmm. and i adapt and i'm used to pivoting and trying new things and that's kind of in the medical field when we're working um with so many unknowns uh with patients and and different high pressure situations that I knew that I could figure it out and I did. Um, so it's, it's just really so different from medicine and it's, it's just really, really fun. Yeah. So speak to that physician mindset because before we started recording, we were talking about, Hey, you can cut a body open and put it back together. But I was telling you, Hey, I'm struggling to get this zoom to update. Right. <laughs> um, so as a physician, we're used to being taught. Like you said, you take this course, you study, you, you have a board exam, you go to this review course, you do this, and boom, you get a product. Speak to a physician who's saying, I'm a physician. How do I be an investor? I'm a physician. How do I start to get, in, get into real estate? Uh, just kind of speak to that mindset. Absolutely. You know, we don't give in ourselves enough credit. You know, when I was looking to pivot, I said, what do, what do my going to do? Like, what do I know? I'm just an ER doctor. And really thinking about that, if I could go back and talk to myself and say, what do you mean you're an ER doctor? Mm -hmm. You 
spent 20 years studying. You're a hard worker. You're organized. You've got great memory, great communication. You're good under pressure. You have critical thinking skills. You work with multiple teams. Um, so yes, it's different and that can be scary, but we are, we've been through worse. We've been through residency. We've been through 36 hour shifts where we're on call and walking around like zombies. The, you know, it's just, I think when we get to a certain point as physicians, we're just tired. Mm-hmm. We're just like, we already did all this work. Like, I just don't want to do anymore. Um, so what I would say is just take it one step at a time. You don't have to become an expert overnight. You can take time and, and listen to a podcast about real estate and you can read a blog about real estate and you can watch a webinar about real estate and you can slowly take it in um, and do bite-size education. Sure. So what is real estate given you that medicine did not give you? I would say freedom. Um, I have now the, as a, as an ER doctor, I was trading my time for money. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly how many shifts I needed to work to pay for my bills. I knew that if my kid needed to go to camp or if we had some sort of vacation planned, I knew how many shifts I needed to work. My shifts were money. I was a high paid worker. Mm -hmm. Now my my time is not traded for money. Now I'm, when you're an investor, you're sleeping and your property is still making money. You're not tied to it. Um, and you can be anywhere and have invested your money and it's still making money. But when I'm an ER physician, I have to be at work to get paid. Sure. Um, so I got freedom. And how long did it take you with your investments to replace your physician salary? Um, so I wasn't able to replace it completely, but I was able to take a lower paying job somewhere else and leave medicine. Um, that kind of wealth takes a while and it takes a lot of doors. Will I get there? Yes, but it's not immediate. And a lot of it is, um, you know, you just do one at a time. You do something slowly. You're like, okay, I'm getting a thousand dollars this month okay, I'm covering my cable bill, you know, and then, and then you do another investment. I'm getting another thousand dollars. That's going to cover my car payment and my, my medical school loans. And you slowly start paying off. Once you start paying off with your income, that's coming in as passive income, you're paying off your liabilities or your expenses. That's when you earn your freedom. Um, And if you keep your expenses down, then that is the, I mean, when the money that's coming in that's passive is greater than your expensive, that's the definition of financial freedom. So you have to, obviously, you can't be driving a Lamborghini and, you know, making a thousand dollars on syndication. But if you control your, your, your expenses, you could definitely get there very quickly. And speak to some of the tax benefits that you get now as an investor versus a W-2 employee. Oh, they're huge. Um, so you get, when you're a real estate investor, you're getting depreciation. And, you know, I used to hear the word depreciation and I would totally glaze over. Right. Um, <laughs> I would be like, uh, I would go into a coma. Um, now I get invigorated by it. I get excited. 
Um, and it's really about how you structure your income and what you bucket as, as passive income, as active income, but your real estate is um, passive income and you can offset it with passive losses from the depreciation. Um, and right now there's something called bonus depreciation where um, you can take all of the depreciation that you would have been able to take over the lifetime of the, um, of the project. And you can take that in your first year of ownership. Um, unfortunately that's going away in 2023. Right. Um, right now you can take hundred percent in 2023, it's going to be 75% and then it's sunsetting the next year and the next year. Um, but what's good is this is, it's still hundred percent this year and those losses carry forward. So that's huge. Right. And so speak to us also, because I'm sure you did some 1031 exchanges as far as leveraging your investments. Have you been involved with any of those? I haven't done any 1031, no. um, but I have leveraged. What I did initially with my duplexes is I bought those with cash um, and I fixed them up and then I refinanced it. And the appraised value was higher than all of the money that I had in. Um, so I was able to pull out that cash um, and really be at zero percent down in those um, in those duplexes and have really infinite returns. Right. My tenants are paying down the mortgage. They're paying down the expenses. I have a property management company that's managing the property and my property is going up in value. I have no money in there. I've taken that money out and I've put it into other investments. Sure. So yeah, you really what want to compound. Returns mean. Explain that term. So if you put money into a an investment, um, and then you get your money out, but that investment continues to produce money for you, you've got nothing. You've got no risk, no liability in there, um, and that's that's pretty much infinite returns. Absolutely, and that's a beautiful place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So um, time out with the sports doctor. This is your final time out. Okay. So you are now, you have transitioned from being an ER physician to now being a syndicator. And like you said, you will soon own over a thousand doors. So I'm sitting back as someone who wants to go into investments or wants to go into multifamily real estate. And I'm saying that is impossible. I will never be able to get there. Tell us about some of the obstacles that you had to overcome to go from ER physician to now syndicator with over a thousand doors under your belt. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think the biggest obstacle is your mindset. I, you know, I, I was very much like, I can't do it. I don't know. I just want to earn my money pay off my house and, and, and just have a lump sum in my bank account. And I've completely changed my mindset. And that's from years of studying and talking to experts and being around very successful people in the space and in hearing and being open to other ideas. So really being open and being open to change. Um, and now, I, you know, I see my money in my bank account and I need to get it out of there. Uh, mm. The inflation's at 7%. Mm. I'm like, now it's like, that's the worst place you can keep your money. You have to stick it in an investment. Um, hopefully it would be real estate, but you know, it's gotta be working for you and not sitting in a bank account. 
that's a very, very important uh, point that you brought about because as uh, Robert Kiyosaki would say, savers are losers, right? <laughs> so if your money's sitting there earning 0.05% or whatever it is, and inflation is at five, six, 7%, when you look at that same amount of money in 10 years, it's not gonna be worth what it is today. So you need to have it in something that's bringing you more returns than just sitting in a bank account. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about Shawin uh, Properties and how people can contact you if they're interested in investing or learning more about multifamily syndications. Yeah. So my husband and I started a company called Shawin Properties. Um, and you can find us at invest.shalwin, S-H-A-L-W-I-N, properties.com. Um, and I have a free webinar there. Um, and once you get on my mailing list, I send you bite-sized educational videos, um, really teaching you just little, just digestible information about real estate in general. Everything from the different terminology to why owning real estate helps against inflation um, and what's a syndication and how you can get involved. Um, so really, that's the best way to get educated and just to, to start. Um, and uh, you can always email me at Ronnie at ShalwinProperties.com. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story, number one, because that's powerful to have the courage to walk away from a career that you've invested so much time in and to really bet on yourself and to bet on your ability to create wealth for yourself. So you know, I really appreciate your story and we'll continue to learn from you as I start my own journey. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for your continued support with this podcast. A five-star review would be greatly appreciated. Subscribe to this podcast so you can continue to get the updated information and new episodes. Thank you.